It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here. Haven't gotten to say this in a while, but I am lone wolf today. No Gavin, just breaking down the Knicks 115-113 to 113 win over the Wizards in the preseason finale. Julius Randle hits a game winner. Mitchell Robinson makes his return. The Knicks are undefeated, but uh, in the preseason, you know, don't read too much into it. And there's a little bit of concerns coming out of this game and some positives. So I'll get into all of it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We just wanted to, well, I today just wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen wherever it is that you get podcasts. I will tell everybody that if all goes according to plan, our very next show that pops up in your feed should also be available on YouTube. You'll be able to see Gavin and Mai's beautiful faces. Uh, I have a cool little setup where I have like a little chalkboard behind me now. So I may or may not draw things during games uh, or during pods, I should say, not during games. Maybe draw some stuff from the game. I, I'm thinking about maybe trying to draw players or something. I'm not much of a of an artist, but fun little extra things that'll be only when we're on YouTube. So if you want to, go ahead and get subscribed to us already. The channel is already set up. It's Locked On Knicks on YouTube. And if you want a good second listen today, maybe check out Locked On NBA or Locked On Fantasy Basketball. I understand Josh Lloyd is killing it right now with the fantasy basketball picks. Anyway, I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland. 
Uh, also going to be working for Clutch Points this season, covering the Knicks at the Garden, which should be a lot of fun. And uh, I am, as I said in the intro, I, I, I haven't gotten to bust out this moniker for a minute, but I'm Lone Wolf today. No, no co-host, no nothing. You're just going to listen to me talk about the Knicks beating the 115. Be, oh, my God. Be, see, this is what happens when I get put by myself. Beating the Wizards 115 to 113 to end their preseason. And Julius Randle, uh, I think, I don't know if he's the biggest story, but he certainly was the last story in this one. And and talking about this game starts at the end. Uh, the Knicks, after uh, after getting a 113 to 110 lead, uh, Corey Kispert makes, quite frankly, I mean, a fantastic catch and shoot three on the other end off an inbounds, ties the game back up at 113 with the Knicks. They have about 14 seconds left. Julius Randle gets the ball, marches it down the court. Nobody else was ever going to touch it. Uh, he gets a one-on-one matchup with Daniel Gafford, and I'll explain why that was possible in a second, and sauces him up, gets a little step back, hits a, a nice mid-ranger with zero seconds left on the clock. Knicks win the game. Knicks are undefeated, 115-113 to over the Wizards. Julius Randle ends with 21 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, and uh, it, it was honestly not a fantastic game for him from the start, which I'll get into in a minute. But the ending was fantastic. He did a really good job of really turning it on late in this game and being the engine that the Knicks needed. It's been very apparent all preseason that Tibbs isn't the only one that cares about preseason way too much. Julius definitely cares too much as well. Uh, he's been diving for loose balls in the last game. He... He asked the Knicks to challenge a play, um, you know, like immediately in a preseason game. Um, there's just all kinds of stuff going on with Julius that that indicates that he is every bit the maniac at this point that Tibbs is. Maybe Tibbs has instilled some of that in him. Maybe it's just what he does at this point. Uh, or, or maybe it's who he was all along. I don't know. You know, based off his Players Tribune story last year, I think Julius maybe got a shortchanged a little bit by the general NBA public as far as his his work ethic and his his desire to win and be great in the NBA, um, which is now showing out in full force. Now that he's got a coach that lets it show and a, uh, a team that really brings it out of him and is winning and playing at a really high level of basketball. But anyway, yeah, it, I, I want to shout out Daniel Gafford first off. Because, I mean, he actually had a really good game. 12 points, 10 rebounds, 4 blocks. Really made Taj's life a living hell. And that was the reason why Taj ended up fouling out. Uh, Taj had just 15 minutes of play. Really made, like, no impact in this game. Because he was just constantly fighting the foul situation. And Gafford did a really good job with that. But that led to the Knicks eventually going small uh, to end this game. Because Taj was fouled out. Mitchell Robinson, who I'll get to in the next segment, came back and actually looked pretty good for a guy who hadn't played basketball since earlier this year. But, uh, you know, he was definitely rusty and definitely winded. Tibbs got 27 minutes out of Mitch, and uh, he was he was not looking too, uh, too spry by the end of those 27 minutes. He was huffing and puffing pretty good. Uh, so, but a- again, I'll, I'll get to Mitch in a minute. Anyway, the Knicks managed to get this small ball lineup on the floor that a lot of people have been clamoring for for the first time since 
I don't know when. I mean, whenever the last time that that uh, Obi and Julius shared the floor last year, I think, because I don't think that Tibbs has gone to it once during the preseason so far. And it went really, really well. Uh, Fred Katz of The Athletic, which shout out to Fred, the new the new beat writer for The Athletic. He's been doing a very good job so far. Uh, made the observation pretty much live on Twitter that the Knicks scored 29 points in the final six minutes and 54 seconds of the game with Randall and Obi closing the game. I mean, that's that's a full quarter's worth of points in just under seven minutes, uh, which is pretty insane to think about uh, for a team that last year struggled so much to score the basketball at many different times. And, it, you know, it kind of got me thinking, I wonder if playing small could be more feasible this year compared to last year, considering that the Knicks, obviously, during this whole preseason, they they spoke about it and they've been about it, that pace and increased three-point attempts are big core tenets of what they're trying to do this year. And they really, I mean, I think that that's very different from last year where a lot of times, especially the starting lineup would slow things down so often, which worked well to a degree. I mean, obviously that's how Julius Randle kind of found his bread and butter with that sort of many times like mellow esque offense where, you know, he would get the ball in the mid range and, you know, use jab steps and, and uh, various moves to free himself up for, for what he wanted to get and, or would kick it out to a shooter eventually um, after doing some stuff himself and trying to draw the defense a bit. You know, I think that the the main thing that we've seen that's different during this preseason was that, A, Julius isn't tasked with doing that as much anymore. Although, as we saw at the end of this game, he can certainly still do it. Um, if he needs to be called upon, he can, he can hit that game-winning shot. He can create the offense for you. But they've been looking to push the pace. They've been looking to shoot more threes. That's sort of exactly the style that works with small ball and is exactly why you go small to begin with. I, I still don't think that this lineup, the the Randall and Obi lineup, would work against like, you know, if you if you're playing the Sixers and they have Joel Embiid out there, you're playing the Nuggets. They have Jokic out there. I mean, those guys are just forces of nature. Obviously, you want, especially in closing game situations, you want to have you know Mitchell Robinson out there on those guys now, ideally, or even Nerlens Noel, Taj Gibson. You know, you want one of your big bruising bodies on those best bigs that the league has to offer because that's your only real chance against those guys. Otherwise, if, if you try to make Obi Toppin or Julius Randle defend Joel Embiid, I mean, we saw, I, I believe, Embiid uh, in one of the games last year was one of the few times that the Knicks tried to go small thanks to some foul troubles and maybe injuries. And I, I have this distinct memory of, of Joel Embiid just absolutely cooking Julius Randle. And it wasn't an indictment on Randle. It's just Joel Embiid is like, you know, he's over seven feet tall. It has, you know... Julius beat by a ton in the wingspan department. And even though Julius is plenty strong and beat is just stronger, you know, so you need guys out there to, to combat those sort of players. But if you're, if you're in a situation like last night where you're facing a team where Daniel Gafford, I mean, he's very, very talented as I alluded to. I mean, I think that he really, he influenced this game very positively for the wizards uh, on both ends. But, you know, I think that, He's that sort of lithe, slightly undersized center build that you can exploit using a small ball lineup because there, you know, Obi Toppin did a pretty admirable job on the defensive end. He ended up with three blocks in this game and he looks like he's improved a bit on that end as far as the rim protection is concerned. I don't think that he's he's Mitchell Robinson or Nerlens Noel or Taj Gibson or even a mid-level starter at center, but I do think that he's 
gotten better with helping on defense and with getting in there to get a block uh, if need be, as long as you're not facing one of those, you know, crazy huge behemoth players that would just eat him alive. And so, you know, I, I hope that this is something that Tibbs entertains going to more as I'll get to in the next segment, which like I, I keep teasing this. I'm sure plenty of people just want to hear about Mitch, but you know, ideally you want to have Mitch out there to close games. And I think that that's the right strategy and, and hopefully what the Knicks end up going with. Cause he's obviously a huge part of what they do on defense and rebounding the ball and, and all the, all the things that we missed so much when he wasn't playing last year, but you know, maybe you don't close the game with a small ball lineup, but I think that it would be a pretty interesting strategy to go to, say, in like the the early stages or the mid stages of the third quarter. You know, especially if you're down, try throwing that lineup out there and see what happens. Get some get some quick offense going. Get 29 points in six minutes and see how that affects the the game for you at that particular moment. Uh, and don't make it a you know a situation where you only bust that out at the end of the game when it's completely necessary, thanks to to foul trouble and your ideal starting center just being completely gassed because it's his first time coming back in forever. So we'll see how it all works out. I hope that Tibbs kind of puts his money where his mouth is. He talked about the preseason games being, you know, real games to him the other day. He said, my style is not for everybody. You know, like I treat these games like real games and, you know, I buy into it and my team buys into it and that's it. So if he really does buy into these things, then, you know, again, put his money where his mouth is. Maybe try this out in the regular season, because if you considered this a real game, the Knicks came back and won a real game by playing small. Um, And I I think that that's something that they should look into doing more. Anyway, uh, we are going to take our first break here. I did want to just let you all know that this show is brought to you by Prize Picks. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is Daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize Picks has the best NBA daily fantasy sports prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. And the good news is all Locked On NBA users that deposit and use our promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA when you sign up. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. No more facing off against people that are basically doing this for a living. Just you versus the numbers. Prize picks allows mixed sport entries as well. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is really that easy. Prize picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code MBA. Or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, and we are back now to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here uh, reminding you again, thank you for making us your first listen every day. We are the only daily New York Knicks podcast out there, and we really appreciate all of you that listen to us all the time. And as I said earlier, we will be on YouTube soon. So be sure to preemptively go in there, subscribe to the Locked On Knicks YouTube channel, and we're going to be putting out videos very soon. So keep an eye out for that. Probably our very next show after this one. And it's going to actually be a really fun crossover too. So I, I really look forward to all you getting to see that. Anyway, to get back into this game again, the Knicks win 115-113 to 113 over the Wizards, finish 4-0 in the preseason. And the... Probably biggest news out of this, I kind of buried the lead a little bit, although I mentioned him a couple times, so it was impossible not to. Mitchell Robinson is back, and it feels so good being able to see him back on the court. I mean, I, I really missed his style of play. I miss his energy. I, I just miss Mitch in general. I mean, probably the most fun moment was he got a, uh, a putback dunk at one point, and it was after getting, I think it was his own offensive rebound. Uh, and you know, he kind of, it, it was, a, it was definitely a, a play that showcased the fact that he's as large as he is now. And he got done with that dunk and immediately flexed for the cloud, for the crowd, flexed for the camera. Uh, and then afterwards, you know, got asked about it and he's, they said, Oh, did you, you know, why did you, why did you flex on that play? And he was like, I mean, I spent all summer working on these muscles. Of course, I'm going to, of course I'm going to flex them. <laughs> and it's just, it makes you, makes you just love Mitch. He's such a great character. And such a fun player to watch on the floor. And he, he really didn't do too bad, all told. Uh, six points, nine rebounds, two steals. And I thought that he had an uncredited block kind of in the later stages of the game. Uh, maybe it would have, maybe that was one of his two steals. I didn't exactly go back and watch everything to see what got credited as what. They might have just credited him with a deflection, but. He kind of he got the ball out of someone's hands as it looked like they were going up for a shot. So I thought it was a block, but maybe it wasn't. But either way, I mean, he still got it, man. He still got the the instincts. The timing was maybe a little off. Um, the conditioning was definitely very very off. But I will say this much: first off, like physically, Mitch looks enormous now. I mean, he looks, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in the best way humanly possible. I mean, he looks. Every bit as big overall as like a Joel Embiid at this point. Um, I, I the first thing I thought of because the the main thing that I was looking for was we've seen all these all these pictures and and videos and whatever else of Mitch's upper body and like oh my god look how jacked he is you know big biceps big triceps you know whatever big big chest yeah that's the that's the stuff that you're looking for like that's like the vanity muscles though you know what we really need to see is like has Mitch built a good you know, base of strength. Like, is this all just going to be top heavy? He, he looks really big overall. He's, he's not top heavy. I don't think that there's going to be any issues with him, like being slowed down by the fact that his legs can't 
can't keep up with his upper body at this point. I, I think that he did. I mean, kudos to his trainer. His trainer deserves a raise. I think they did fantastic work over the summer to get him where he needed to be physically. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that. So Mitch looked limited. That's definitely true. He looked limited in his mobility. I think it kind of had more to do with the fact that after about three possessions, he was completely gassed. I mean, and I don't blame him. He probably only recently has been able to start getting back into like real hard uh, work with cardio and running and all that stuff because of the broken foot. You know, I think out of an abundance of caution, they they didn't want to have him running and doing things of that nature because, I mean, he literally injured his foot going, you know, trying to close out on a, a block attempt, if I remember correctly, and it was just like a wrong step. And that's what broke his foot. So, you know, before it's fully healed, you don't want to do anything that can tax that. So I would imagine that he's mostly been in the weight room this summer and has not gotten to do nearly as much cardio as he wanted to do prior to this. So I think it was more just that he was completely gassed. And that was why his mobility seemed a little off. Um, there were a couple moments, though, that like, depending on how you want to want to interpret it, could be worrying. Uh, you know, he had a couple of opportunities for dunks that he turned down. And, you know, when is Mitchell Robinson ever turned down a dunk? Like, that's like if I turn down a slice of pizza, like just it never happens. I always eat a slice of pizza if it's put in front of me. Mitchell Robinson always takes a dunk if it's put in front of him. And there was one or two opportunities where one, he, I actually missed it. I, I looked away for a second and, and it happened. And then I just kind of heard Clyde saying about it. But Mitch missed what appeared to be kind of a bunny. Um close to the rim and and that's maybe slightly concerning and then also had one that i remember where he was streaking to the hoop got like a perfect lane in and caught the pass and you know took off from probably around the the dotted line the restricted area which is not super far from mitchell robinson and yet about halfway to the rim had to kind of bail out from going for a dunk and just instead settle for a finger roll which you know whatever it's still two points but it's you know you would have expected Mitch normally would sky that one and have his head above the rim practically and, and slam that one down. So I, I don't think it's concerning. I don't think that it has to do with his conditioning in the sense of, in the sense of how he worked out and how he built his body. I think it more had to do with the fact that he was super, super gassed. Um, but one super positive that I saw was he was setting harder screens at least a few of the times. I mean, he, he did a couple of his traditional Mitch, like, stick his arms out, not real screen screens. But by and large, like, it looked like he was looking to set some harder screens, which is obviously something you want to see him do after he just put this muscle mass on because he's now a, a big dude. You know, he doesn't have to be scared of contact anymore. He's not the bony kid that came in as a rookie and, you know, had a lot of people questioning if, if he could really even put on that much muscle. He's now, like... I mean, if he's 280 pounds, he's the size of pretty much any other big, big man in the NBA, even bigger than some of them. I, he probably outweighs Clint Capella at this point, who gave the Knicks, Knicks fits last year. He's probably right around where like uh, Jokic and Embiid are, and those are two of the, the biggest dudes in the league right now. So he can set hard screens now, and it shouldn't hurt him. Uh, and it looks like he's he's hopefully realizing that. He, he did set some good screens that were really encouraging to me. Uh, that would be fantastic for Kemba Fournier and RJ and also Rose quickly, whoever the hell else he ends up playing with. The, any any player on the floor that handles the ball loves having 
a guy, a, a, an enormous mountain of a man that can set fantastic screens. And Taj Gibson does it all the time. And I think that's why he's so well loved by so many of his guard teammates. And Mitch, you know, just talked this past week about how big of an influence Taj is on him and how much they talk. Hopefully Taj has been drilling that into his head. Like, hey, kid, you're bigger than me now by a good stretch, you know, and you see what I do to myself at 13 years older than you. So, you know, get out there and set some hard screens, man. Like you can definitely do this and and it's, it's going to be a really good time. If Mitch starts doing that, the last thing, uh, Mitch, the two steals, uh, I think both the credited ones to him came at late, uh, moments in his, you know, in his appearance here in the second half. And he sort of spurred the Knicks comeback before the small ball lineup kicked in, which was awesome to see. Like he, somehow while being completely gassed found the energy in himself to run out to the perimeter and you know execute some hard doubles and execute quickly you know he was getting up there you know initiating the double team and then not hesitating he went right for the swipe and clearly the coordination and the timing is still there because he got a couple of great swipes late in the game that wound up uh turning into turnovers and then transition opportunities for the Knicks and so you know, I guess long story short, the, my my thoughts on Mitch, I was really encouraged by this game. He looked way better than I figured he would, given the level of rust he was coming in with. And I don't really have too many worries for him going forward, unless we get about 15, 20 games in the season. He's back to starting and it's and his conditioning is back, you know, as far as his wind being back. But it still seems like he's struggling with the the verticality part of his game, which Obviously, him being the lob threat that he was is a huge thing for the Knicks offense this year and going forward and for Mitch's career, quite frankly. So I guess we'll see as far as that's all concerned, how that ends up working out for Mitch. But uh, we're going to take our second break now, and I am going to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by Theragun. And, you know, I, uh, I, I've, I've used Theragun before. My brother-in-law lent me his for a little bit. I got really spoiled and then he took it back and I've been heartbroken ever since. I'm finally going to pull the trigger in these next couple weeks and get one because Theragun is fantastic. If, if you work out, if you do cardio, if you do whatever, it's it's pretty much a must at this point. And you don't want to let the stress of daily life weigh on your body either. Whether you're an elite athlete or just someone like me that happens to go to the gym or whatever, just trying to make it through the day tension free, Theragun can help. It's the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stress of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design Makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. And today's episode is also brought to you by... Built Bar. Hey, this is a very symbiotic ad read. So you go to the gym, you use your Theragun, you release all that tension, and then your body needs those proteins to build those muscles back up. 
That's where Built Bar comes in. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, bar none. I have eaten a lot of protein bars in my life. I've eaten plenty that have, you know, the fillers in them, like the little almost like rice cereal puffs in them, whatever, things to try to make it crunchy or try to, uh, you know, some of, some of them just taste like chalk. I don't know. I, I hate certain protein bars. Built Bars are totally different, though. Tastes almost like a like a caramel or a nougat on the inside, the way that the, the texture is. Every single one is coated in 100% chocolate, so you get that real candy bar feel to them. And they come in so many delicious flavors like coconut, double chocolate, cookies and cream, strawberry, orange, salted caramel. I mean, the list goes on and on. They have 10 flavors that are available at all times, and all of them are super delicious. And you already know my favorites are cookies and cream and coconut. But the good thing is, is that you don't have to deal with the guilt of eating a candy bar, even if they taste like one. Uh, Bill Bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein, just 130 to 180 calories, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They are so tasty and so wonderful. If you want to get some, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, and we're back. Third and final segment of Locked on Knicks, and I'm just going to treat this kind of like a little housekeeping segment. I think the two most important things were the the comeback, the small ball, and the Mitch return. Uh, the rest of the stuff, there wasn't too, too much that we saw in this game that was really that different from any of the other preseason games. I think the Knicks have done a pretty good job. I mean, the benefits of Tibbs' strategy of playing guys somewhat regular season minutes is that you get a really good look of how they're looking to do things in the regular season. So I'll just kind of do a little housekeeping. Like, first off, shout out to Derek Rose, uh, <laughs> like the old Kanye line in the the one song before Kanye went crazy. Shout out to Derek Rose. Yeah, that dude is nice. I, I edited it because I, I definitely can't say part of that. Um, but twenty eight points, six assists, eleven to twenty shooting for Derek Rose. It's it's really just so nice to have a guy of his caliber coming off the bench. I mean, he could probably be a starter. In a lot of spots, instead, he's on the New York Knicks backing up Kemba Walker, who is also plenty qualified in his own right to be a starting point guard in this league. Uh, it's just so, so bizarre still to me. I still can't quite get over the fact that the Knicks have all this talent at the point guard spot after so many years of having basically no talent at the point guard spot. Um, and, and he really showed off the versatility in this one, too. Hit three or six shots from deep, hit a couple floaters. I mean, it was nothing like. He didn't reinvent the wheel or anything, but it's always just awesome to see. I, I love watching Derrick Rose play basketball at this stage in his career. I feel like he just really plays it in a in a smart way, but also a fun way. Like he's playing it like an old wily vet, but he's also not an old fuddy duddy that just plays, you know, strictly fundamental basketball at this point. He's still got the the pizzazz and the the razzle dazzle, um, the ability to blow by guys, you know, the ability to run in transition. He just plays it a lot smarter as far as his verticality and stuff. And it's going to be a real treat over these next few years, provided that he stays with the Knicks for the next few years, which I think is more likely than not. But it's going to be a real treat seeing him kind of finish his career here, I think, because I, I really doubt he's going to end up on another team short of the Knicks being more or less forced to include him in a trade for a star player or something, which we, we of course, covered with Jeremy Cohen in our Derrick Rose preview earlier this week. Um, but the one thing that was a little concerning out of this game and the last game, the effort's been a little concerning. Um, Schwinn, uh, you know, of course, good buddy, Schwinny Poo on Twitter, check him out, noted this, that, you know, it's been a little concerning to see just how lackadaisical 
the Knicks have been against these clearly inferior teams the last two games. Um, the Pistons without Cade Cunningham, obviously. And then today, the Wizards that had Bradley Beal at first, but Beal got injured um, and was out after, I think, nine minutes of play. And so they were basically playing the, the Wizards B squad in this one. So it's it's definitely a little concerning to see the Knicks. You know, if they're allegedly, if Tibbs is allegedly drilling into them, these games matter just like regular season games. And we saw in the first game, they obviously came out and crushed it. And they did kind of the same thing in the second game against the Wizards as well. You know, if, if they have that in them and they're still kind of coming out and coasting, is this with Tibbs coaching like that? Is this something that we have to watch for during the season? Like, have the Knicks maybe gotten a little too big for their britches, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and, and kind of gotten to the point where they feel like they're better than these teams and thus they can come out and give like 50% effort? I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, I guess we'll see as the season comes around. It's just something to keep an eye on. But I guess the other thing to consider through all of it is that they won both those games too. So maybe it's just kind of, I mean, I think I had said in the last game that it was kind of a testament to the the fact that the Knicks are as good as they are, that they can come out and basically not try for two and a half quarters against a team as bad as the Pistons minus Cade and Killian and still win the game. So I don't know. I, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe that's just kind of how the Knicks are now. Like they can, they can afford to have those good team games where you just go, Oh, well, we're going to, you know, put it at 50% and see if that's enough to win. And if it's not, then we'll just turn it to 100% for the last like quarter and a half and then we'll be good. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it worked so far. I just, I hope that we're not going to, we're not going to see too much of that because it's, it's not fun as a fan to watch your team that you know is better than the other team come out flat and, uh, you know, not give 100% effort early in the game and then have to kind of scratch and claw their way back. It would be nice to just be able to see some good old fashioned blowouts this year where the Knicks are just, you know, undisputedly better than the other team from minute one to minute 48. Um, to move to something more positive though, Quentin Grimes got some, got some run early and often like he actually got to play some real minutes in this game, 21 minutes. He didn't really shoot great. He was only two and nine from the field, but I thought his D was amazing. I mean, we discussed this a bit in our Grimes preview, you know, and, and I think I was a little more bullish on, on Grimes' D than Gavin was. Gavin, you know, thought that he was maybe, of course, he's not here to, to defend himself at this point, but um, Gavin was, you know, thinking that it might take a little more adjustment to the NBA, you know, level of play on defense for Grimes to really, like, find his grove. I was like, I don't know. I think based off what we saw in Summer League, I think he's going to be all right. And, I mean, maybe it was just the the excited energy of Grimes, or maybe this is just what we can expect from him. But I mean, when he came out there, I, I thought it looked like, you know, like, I don't know, maybe some of you even listen to our podcast like this, but people talk about listening to podcasts at like one and a quarter speed, one and a half speed, whatever, which I tried doing that. I thought I sounded too much like a chipmunk and others sound too much like a chipmunk. So I couldn't really get used to it, but you know, it was almost like Grimes went out there and was playing at one and a half times speed because he was just all over the place from the second that he got in this game. And I thought he played fantastic defense. I think that is going to be his calling card early in his career. I think that there's still going to be a little bit of a learning curve with, you know, the way his release is and whatever, getting set up from three and all that good stuff might take him a little bit to get that going. But I, I have no problem saying, I think he's, he's already a, a really good, if not great NBA defender, almost in a similar way to, the dearly departed Frank Nilakina, where the the second that he stepped on an NBA floor, he was a good defender, period, because uh, he just had that much defensive ability 
the rest of the stuff just had to come around and we'll see how that all comes around with Grimes as well. Um, but I, I thought it was for his first real NBA minutes. I, I thought that it was a pretty encouraging uh, outing. He also had a couple assists and, and one of those I remember was, was a really nice feed finding, I think it was Obi going inside. He had one where he hit someone streaking into the hoop. And I thought it was, it, that was kind of one of those that, that stuck out in my brain a little bit. Uh, obviously not enough that I can fully remember who the player was that he dished it to, but I remember the pass and it was a good pass and I liked it. So, you know, flashing some of the other stuff too, the playmaking and all that, all, all good things for Quentin Grimes, I think in this one. Um, unfortunately, his rookie counterpart, Deuce McBride, did not see the floor at all in this game, which was a little, con- I won't say concerning, just a little disappointing. I was hoping that, I mean, I guess I was really hoping for a blowout and not that this would come down to a last second shot. And that then you could get Deuce McBride minutes maybe for 15 minutes or something like that. So we could finally get a good look at him at the NBA level. We were not treated to that, unfortunately. That's going to have to wait. Um, Is what it is, I guess. Uh, But hopefully Deuce gets a chance at some point because I think Deuce looked every bit as good on defense as Grimes did during Summer League. And as we kind of just saw with Grimes, that can translate to the NBA. So I hope that Deuce gets his opportunity to really get in there and show his stuff on defense at some point. Um, also, Alec Burks was out for rest. That's fine. I, that was kind of cool to see, actually. Um, and that was what gave Grimes that opportunity to begin with. So I guess we sort of have an answer there, too, about who might absorb Burks' minutes if he ever gets hurt. Uh, no Kevin Knox or Jericho Sims, which was kind of surprising because they seem to be getting featured quite a bit in the early games. Um, Knox, obviously, I mean, he was getting getting a pretty good amount of playing time, especially the game that Julius missed. Um, but even last game, he got some playing time. And so a little surprising to see him not see the floor at all. Jericho Sims, especially surprising. I mean, that says to me, I think, I think after the first three games, the Knicks have now officially kind of, or Tibbs, you know, especially has now kind of said like, this kid isn't ready to be on the NBA floor yet. The, the lapses on defense just aren't going to cut it. Uh, considering how, you know, crucial that position is to us at the center spot. So he needs some more seasoning, I think is the general consensus there. Cause I mean, without reluctant Tibbs has always been to go small. You would think that in a situation where he had Taj Gibson fouled out at 15 minutes, I don't even think Taj made it into the fourth quarter uh, before he fouled out. And then you have Mitchell Robinson who you had to sit <laughs> at a certain point uh, before that, that stretch run in the fourth quarter, because he was just, he was, he was dead on his feet, you know, and you don't blame him because it was his first game back. But Sims have been playing a pretty good amount of minutes up to that point, you know, at least for a 58th pick two-way player, you know, compared to his rookie contemporaries, he's been playing a lot. I, I think that they've now kind of said, oh, he's he's not going to he's not gonna be ready for a minute. Like, let's get him down to Westchester. We'll let him work there for a bit. Maybe we'll call him back up sometime this season or if we get, you know, really ravished by injuries or something, we'll call him back up. But I, I think that this was a pretty good indication that Tibbs doesn't think that Sims is really ready for the big show at this point which is fine because I, I think that that's absolutely the case. Um, final thing for this episode, then I'll wrap up. I can't believe I've talked this long. My God, I always come into these solo episodes thinking like, oh, this will be quick. And then 35 minutes later, here I am. Uh, but anyway, Clyde, uh, fun moment with him and, and Ed Cohen, our buddy Ed Cohen, who came on Locked on Knicks uh, at one point last year. We love Ed, super nice guy. And sort of a prodigy. He's pretty young to be a, a play-by-play man on the radio for the Knicks. So that's, uh, you know, Ed, Ed's very good at his job. Anyway, Ed was calling this game with Clyde today. 
and uh, subbing in for Mike Breen and also for Kenny Albert, who's the normal backup. Although I, I don't know for certain. We haven't seen Kenny yet, I don't think. So I, I don't know for certain that Kenny uh, has done any broadcast work for the Knicks yet this year. Maybe his contract is up or something. Um, but at any rate, Ed Cohen was there with Clyde. And uh, Clyde at one point called him Kenny, if I mistake. And luckily for you know Clyde's, uh, Clyde's long-term mental health and everything, he called himself right away. So he's not losing it. Don't worry. Clyde's still all there. He called himself right away. It was just a little Freudian slip. And uh, he corrected himself and apologized to Ed. And Ed took it in stride. He was a good dude. But uh, it was just a funny moment. Like, he just, he's like, yeah, Kenny, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, a second of awkward silence. And he goes, I forget what Clyde said exactly. But it was more or less like, oh, wait, you're not Kenny. <laughs> Sorry, Ed. <laughs> it was good. I, I love Clyde. Love Ed Cohen. I love everything about the Knicks right now. Uh, fun preseason. The Knicks are undefeated as of right now going into the regular season. So, uh, we got the, the, Regular season opener to look forward to on Wednesday. We have some other great episodes coming for you guys before that. We got a couple crossovers planned. Uh, Our final season preview for a player. If you've been keeping track at home, you'll know who it is. If not, we'll just let it be a surprise because we have a good guest coming on to break down our final season preview for you guys. Um, The crossover, I'll say the one is with uh, Nick's Film School. So, you know, keep an ear out for that. A, A now yearly tradition uh, we're doing bold predictions with them just like we did last year. It's going to be a great time. Probably going to roast ourselves for how bad our predictions were last year. So that should be fun too. At any rate though, that's it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. And like I said, keep your keep your eyes out. We're hopefully, if all goes according to plan, our very next show will be available on YouTube. So get subscribed to the Locked On Knicks YouTube. You can be one of the first people to see our beautiful faces doing our podcast live. And until uh, next time though, Thank you all so much. Peace out. Talk to you all soon. Busy week ahead. Let's go next. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 